Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, Mr. Benny Quavo himself. It's <laughs> Benny Horowitz. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Seis de Mayo by the time you hear this. What's up? Yeah, dude? I'm doing good. I'm sparring. I, sometimes at the gym, yeah. I go up to the heavy bag and like I do like a little combination, <laughs> almost like pretending like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm just not going all out without like my gloves and wrist yeah. tape, you know, like. I wonder if people buy it. I don't know. See, should ask. You should know ask what? around. Like, excuse me, did that look authentic to you? See, here's where you don't want to get so into trouble with this. I actually have extensive experience with these boxing gyms, right? Because yeah. so you go in there, right? And you're just trying to be fit and, and all of that stuff. And a guy who actually boxes comes up to you and is like, hey, you're looking pretty good. Do you want to spar a couple rounds? And then next thing you know, you're beaten to a pulp. Yeah. Uh, this, is this anecdotal? This is Benny? such a hustle that happens. Is this Does this happen to you? <laughs> I can neither like confirm has. nor deny. But let's okay, just say okay. there is I'd a like particular UFC. I'd like to say this isn't a boxing gym. <laughs> it's a gym gym with like two heavy bags where like some random guy comes in every once in a while and like hits it really aggressively. And you're like, eh, I don't know what you're, I don't know if you know how to do that. There is a uh, UFC champion from Milwaukee. That let's just say he got me pretty good. <laughs> oh, jeez, Denny, I don't don't go fighting UFC champion. Don't do that again. He I was, advise against that. As your as your attorney, I advise against that. He was 18 years old. I was in college. You know, you got that collegiate vibrato that they talk about. I never had that. You know, like people always were like, "How much money for you to take like one punch from Michael Tyson?" You know, yeah. I was like, "Fuck off, none, whoa, none." Did I'd you be poor. see? I'd prefer to be poor. Did Stop you see it. Mike Tyson being in the news recently? Yeah. Did he beat up someone on an airplane? Yeah. So, so this guy had the gall to be trolling Mike Tyson. Stop it. I mean, is there anyone in America who thinks that Mike Tyson should not have like? It's just common sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like walking up to like a bulldog who's wearing like a chain with a master lock on it, giant set of testicles. I'm just being like, oh, Gucci goo, you know, like, stop it. Just he, he's proven himself time and time again as someone you don't fuck with. You know what I listened to this morning, Denny? A this, podcast no. <laughs> telling me that a uh, solar flare is imminent and coming for us and will... Uh, knock out all of our electrical systems uh, with only an eight-minute warning. So, as usual, just get ready to like learn how to hunt and skin rabbit and stuff if you feel like feel like making it through. Okay. Well, you know what segment doesn't need an eight-minute warning. In fact, it doesn't <laughs> need any warning. It's just a music history. Do, 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 do. Well, you can't sleep through this one. Boom. <laughs> At a hotel in 1965, on this day, in Clearwater, Florida, of all places, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones can't sleep because there's a riff in his head. He rolls a tape, falls asleep, and wakes up the next morning to find he's recorded, I can't get no satisfaction. Pretty good idea for like someone like Keith Richards, who I imagine at the time, 
I think I'd like to rephrase this as going to sleep as hmm. passing out. You know what I mean? Like you didn't go to sleep. People like Keith Richards are are forced to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just lay down, read 10 minutes of a book and put out your light. So, but for someone like that with a lot of creative ideas, it's a good idea to, uh, to get it out. He even said, I can't get no satisfaction at the end of the tape and then fell back over and went to sleep. And I didn't realize that, uh, Apparently, he used a, a new a guitar effect from Gibson when they were recording it called the Maestro FZ1 to emulate the sound of horns, which are intended to be overdubbed later. And they liked the sound so much that they used it on the whole record. And some people say that this is the first time this type of distortion was used, like the fuzz distortion was used on an album. And I don't know if you follow rock and roll music, but the fuzz distortions had a pretty long life since. But I should say, apparently, uh, Ray, uh, uh, Ray Davies, um, in recording You Really Got Me, took a razor blade to his speaker cones to try to get the same effect one year before. So as always, there's a predecessor. But uh, yeah, respect wow. to uh, Keith Richards for having the, the wherewithal to realize he's going to pass out. And if you have a great idea, you need a little little recorder next to you. That's right. Always carry a pen and paper. And if you're a musician, always carry the recorder because you never know when it's going to happen. These days, your little iPhone. That's you know? right. And M4A file comes in handy. Yeah, imagine what he... <laughs> I got to imagine he had like a little dictaphone. I don't know what, what was going on with that at the time. You know, 65. What do you think his bed, uh, the bedside recording setup looked like? Oh, a couple of bottles of uh, what? Jim Beam. Did they have Jim Beam in 65? And uh... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it left its home state yet. I'm not sure. All right. Well, Benny, speaking of things not leaving their home state, we never leave our home state. Wow. I really never. saved myself here. Um, sure. On this day in 2005, U.S. coffee shop Starbucks banned the sale of Bruce Springsteen's Devils and Dust album over concerns about its, quote, adult content. Uh, the retailer, which stocked <laughs> CDs at the time, um, uh, said it would be promoting other albums instead. Benny, wow, this begs really? a massive question for me. Did you know that Starbucks stopped selling CDs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I thought I could still find like Michael somebody Bublé. does Christmas songs yeah. like next to the salted nuts. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was still available to me. All right, first headline today, Benny. Benny flees back in a big way. We talked about the new album a couple weeks ago, but now we have a flea acting renaissance. I don't know. Um, oh. Flea is adding another pop culture cameo to his resume. Uh, this outlet, which this cracked me up, the Star Wars News Network is reporting <laughs> that uh, Flea will be starring in Disney Plus's upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, yeah. This marking another big role for a musician in a pop culture centerpiece. What kind of indicator is this that where the cross-section of music and TV is going, Benny? Well, I'd like to take you farther back because I think we're running into a little generational thing here. Okay. Because I don't think you realize the acting significance of Flea's career. Okay. Lay it on me. Now, he, as you know, Flea like started doing movies like from the get go. I don't, 
I mean, I'm sure the Chili Peppers were already a band because, you know, he started appearing around like 83. But literally, Flea's first two credits are being a Socha in The Outsiders in 1983 and being Razzle in Suburbia in 1983. Those are still movies that are relevant and important to this day, still watched, still talked about. So right off the bat, he uh, cemented himself as a Hollywood side actor. And every single time he does it, he's kind of rad. Now let's go through, even through the list. He's in Thrashing. He's a musician in Less Than Zero. I don't know if you uh, are an old uh, John Cusack fan. Hmm. He's Bud in My Own Private Idaho, which was like a pretty interesting and subversive film. Needles. He was part of the he was part of the mean gang in Back to the Future 2 and 3. He was Biff's crew. You forget that. And then he was on The Chase. He's in The Son-in-Law. Uh, and then, of course, you know, like if Flea was bad in The Big Lebowski, people would talk about Flea being in The Big Lebowski all the time. Mm. Flea was like an actor in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. He was speaking roles. And he was so good at being nihilist number two that we never even talk about Flea being in The Big Lebowski. And then he had a really long career doing voice acting, um, the animated series, the Wild Thornberries, and stuff like that. So Flea been around. That's basically what I'm saying. I just gave you his receipts. And I think Flea being in this is actually more of an indication that the whole series might be good. Not the fact that more actors should do this. He's literally got 40 years of doing this under his belt, you know? See, here's the thing, right? I, like, the amount of stuff that he's done that I grew up with that, like, I don't know if, if I've just been oblivious at the fact that, like, Flea is, like, in all of the... You know what? Honest to God, I think it is because I'm more, you know, coming up with, like, the, like, Wild Thornberry stuff and, uh, like, the Rugrats stuff. That like he's always just kind of like been there, and That's I right. and I discovered the Chili Peppers completely separate for that, and so like that connection, and then obviously like when I'm like like a teenager and stuff like the Big Lebowski and all that stuff, all of that stuff kind of coming. What a what a fascinating deep dive to do on on this guy's career. I feel like you got to look at it like a, a referee. Yeah, you know how the best referees are the ones that you're like, oh, I barely noticed you because you did such a good yeah. job. Like if Flea was bad in any of these, we would know Flea is like a bad actor. The fact that he is good in all of this plays his part and it's and it's believable is the reason you forgot he's been an actor for 40 years. You know, Flea's so, PJ Tucker. Much respect <laughs> to Flea. I think the older and older I get and I watch a person like this move through the world, I got a lot of respect for this guy. Flea is he's getting up there for me. Best chili pepper by far. Oh wow, that's 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 bolder than my guy got take last week. Um, no, I'm I'm just so fascinated by these California bands that like make the transition into it because it's like not everyone's like cut out to make this kind of like acting crossover thing. But I do think what I started this off with actors getting like legitimate credibility because I like I feel like back in the day, yes, like there was. A like separation, but my point more earlier was like 
the line is like so blended. And also, they like yes, the thing's probably good, but to get more attention for this Obi Wan Kenobi series, they're probably like let's add Flea here and to get more people talking about it early on. Yeah, why not? I mean, start mixing. I mean, the things that are starting to come out of that universe are starting to look really fucking similar. I keep seeing trailers. I'm like, wait, what? Didn't they do this story with this thing? And, and it's getting very confusing. So I think they could oh. use a couple more signature characters to stand out, honestly. Speaking of things that just keep doing it over and over again. Again. It, it feels like we just talked about the Rock and Roll <sighs> Hall of Fame. And we're getting up and geared up for the 2022 class. About to get enrolled in. Uh, but before we get into this... I just got to wonder, you know, there's a lot of ways that these people have handled uh, COVID honors. Um, people have put it off and they've had to do it consecutively. Uh, do you have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fatigue? I mean, you probably were never really interested in, in, in the first place, but like this is ridiculous. No. So here, the, it's actually a misnomer. And I, but in fairness, I may be in the minority because most musicians I know could give a shit about the rock and roll hall of fame. And when they're in Cleveland have little interest in going there for whatever reason, I am not that person. I'll go to the rock and roll hall of fame every single time. I've been there like half a dozen times. Mm. I think it's fascinating. I think it's interesting. I love seeing the exhibits of artists. I love and their weird inside stuff and eating some fucking overpriced pizza. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I like it. Um, so I am actually, I am not, anti uh anti rock and roll hall of fame but with anything especially as it goes far along and you start getting many years and lots of names like yeah i am like in a whoa okay like 15 more people and 15 more people and i guess it's like uh it works the same way of when you can insure an antique car it has to be 25 years old and then you get to <laughs> toss it in the rock and roll hall of fame so I do have a little bit of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fatigue. I don't know how to fix it, if you should put less in, if you should space out like maybe every couple of years or something. But um, and I feel like a lot of people have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and it's getting a little like over the top. You know, I'm not sure who it's for right now, but I look at this list of people coming in. Pat Benatar, Duran Duran, Eminem, Eurythmics, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, Judas Priest. Harry Belafonte. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, of course. Am I going to argue against <laughs> any of these people? No. Like Lionel Richie. Wow. I'll take that back. Oh, I'll take that not, back. You got to remember Dan his career was not the 80s and 90s. You got to remember <laughs> his other his other stuff. Uh, even on a podcast just this week, someone, uh, Brad said that You're So Vain by Carly Simon is a perfect song. And I reviewed it and he, you know, might be some meat there. So I'm not going to sit here and make an argument over any of these performers, most of which I really like. Um, but yes, I do have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fatigue. Do you? I'm going to side with you on the fact that I like it. I'm here for it, Ben. Awesome. Uh, we can have this Carly Simon discussion because I actually think... I know. I know you love Carly. Because, listen, there's a music moment happening right now with these female singer-songwriters that all the people that I love from back in the day were like... The like, like, like the Beatles for like your, you're like Maggie Rogers and yeah, like people like yeah, that. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, I got, I gotta be honest, you've been standing on the Carly Simon Carol King mountain for a That's couple right. years now. So, so you're there. You That's got right. that one. That's good. Um, 
see where where this is 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 interesting and you know how we always talk about money coming into play this ceremony airs every year on HBO. I'm sure it's yeah. it, 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 it's a big uh, subsidy uh, for keeping their thing going every year. So they kind of had to have it. Having two specials for this in one year, a, a lot like what, what we saw with the Basketball Hall of Fame, it kind of cheapens it. Um, it kind of, you know, because the class, this class isn't going to be the one that gets shortchanged. It's like the last one that went in that you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that they went in. So... Yeah. By doing it so frequently, kind of diminishes the whole thing, at least for right now. You got to wait a little bit before the next one. Yeah, I think I'll take take in another episode of Barry instead. Oh, that show that show's so bleeping crazy. Barry and Atlanta right now. Just for- I hadn't watched Barry in a while. <laughs> I was into it at first, mm. and I caught the last five minutes of episode one of this new season. I, I won't kill it for anybody who's looking to watch, but I it got me back fast, real fast. There was a, a moment that happened where I'm like, oh, I'm back in. All right, let's do this. It was the homage to the Larry Sanders show. It's just is is a part. <laughs> I'll just say as a part with Hater and Winkler. Oh, yeah. Very important. Yeah, very important. All right. Um, well, we're talking about big spectacle events and, and we've got a couple coming up in these next two stories but benny we would be remiss if we did not get into this dave Chappelle story getting attacked on stage so uh Pretty it feels wild. like in the past two years of us doing this show we've had a lot of conversations about security breaches had one last week well now we've got to have another one after dave Chappelle was performing at the netflix as a joke festival at the hollywood bowl in los angeles california and a guy somehow gets up on stage, bum rushes him with a fake gun that has a knife. Explain that to me later. Um, <laughs> yeah, was this a bayonet? Yeah, right? It's like, what? Yeah. Like, what is this, the Revolutionary War? Yeah. Um, but we see continued behavior by people at these live events where um, just losing their minds, doing crazy stuff. So, Benny, is this a case of people uh, really not coming out of the other side of lockdown and the pandemic too well, security being too lax after the pandemic, or all of the above? Uh, I, you know, the, the B question, I'll firmly say no. Okay. Because, like... I'm the security wasn't better before the pandemic than it is now. Yeah. Um, they're like, if anything, especially with, you know, with Dave, Chappelle, I would imagine him doing a show right now. He probably had more security mm. than he would have pre pandemic. Um, so that is not an element. Uh, you know, I would really like to know in some morbid way, what this person's motivation was their relationship to Chappelle, what they actually thought they were doing, what they were trying to do, because, you know, there's a big difference between a random actor or somebody motivated for some other reason. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened. So I'm not going to go ahead and be like, well, the world is going crazy because of the pandemic. And that's why Dave Chappelle was attacked. I have no fucking idea, you know, like Chris Rock got attacked by somebody he knows like a month ago. Um, but the one thing that I, I actually like had an immediate thought and I don't know if it's selfish or what, but I'm like, I, I'm concerned that the things that I play in my job situation and work is going to turn into a fucking security zone. You know what I mean? Like used to go to these festivals and sure, there are some guys around and 
the bigger bands have their private security and stuff like that, but it didn't feel like locked down or anything like that. It never felt dangerous. Um, and, you know, I've only played one festival in all these years where there were like metal detectors for backstage. And it was, it was strange. Like it was, it was, you know, I'm like, I'm playing here. Like I really, um, and it felt odd. So, uh, I'm a little worried about, you know, just these things happening and security getting ramped up and these things just becoming like, Oh, you know, now like every little kid needs to get wanded before they go into school or something, you know? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think depending on, on where you live, I feel like metal detectors and, and increased security are, are part of uh, what you grew up with, whether going to like school and like stuff like that and everything these days. I mean, I think I ha have a like a slightly different viewpoint on this because of, I mean, like when you were coming up, that was like pre-Columbine, right? Um, No. Okay. No, I wouldn't say that. Like Like when Gaslight was coming up, Certainly not. No, no, no. Like I meant like you in like high school. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. like me. Kent State was still like yeah. the big shooting yeah. when I was like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in rural of nowhere, New Jersey, where I, I went to high school, we were having like bomb scares in like fourth grade. So it's like you kind of gr grow up with this and you kind of sense a, I don't know if long term they're going to do studies where you develop like a, a mistrust of like the general public but I, I definitely say because of all of that like your guards kind of up a, mm. a little bit more so i think increased security at, at this stuff you know it it's gonna create its own different set of problems that we've talked about a bunch on this podcast when you have increased security but I'm, i mean you kind of got to weigh the pros with the cons there right yeah yeah exactly and you know i think you know another part of it that rubbed me a little strange was like i saw Chappelle have a quote about it after or I don't know if it was even part of the stand-up where he talked about like yeah you know we like beat the shit out of somebody backstage I've always wanted to do that like yeah you know and I could see it but also it was like yo like what kind of like Bill the Butcher weird <laughs> shit is this like do you see my vest yeah <laughs> it's like he almost fucking like if that was an actual thing you're a dead person yeah. like this isn't tough you know what I mean? I can't imagine the people Chappelle has around like to, to you know, these ex uh, football players or army guys who he has like, you know, so I'm like, I'm like, let's slow down on you being a fucking badass here. Like some guy jumped on stage, nearly killed you and you guys roughed him up with your goons. You know, I, f <laughs> I found that a very strange Bill the Butcher moment about it is his machismo is getting a little out of hand. Yeah, but hey, when someone writes you that kind of check for the kind of stuff you're talking about, I feel like mm -hmm. it, it that that's a perfectly normal reaction for anybody. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it was their job to do whatever they yeah. wanted to this guy. I mean, you, yeah. it wasn't like he, he was like a fan who was just walked up and was like inappropriate. Like, yeah. he made a very threatening and almost life threatening action, which, sure, if you're security, yeah, do whatever the fuck you have to do to him. Like, that yeah. part doesn't bother me. Yeah. It was kind of the grandstanding about it that bothered yeah. me after, yeah. you know. Next headline today, arguably the biggest navel-gazing exercise in sports took place last weekend when the NFL took over Las Vegas for the 2022 NFL Draft. Benny, I know you love it. I know all of that stuff. So before I absolutely destroy that institution, <laughs> what do you think of the Jets and the Giants? <laughs> Well, I mean, that that's like, you know, um, I think 
the draft was as ridiculous as it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I hated it as far as like, you know, towards the end of it, I'm just like, oh, for God's sake, like, I know who all these people like, I don't believe in my heart of hearts that these people get more and more intel every two to three days for three months leading up to this guy. And they just, you know, I'm literally seeing mocks now that are like, oh, these are our favorite trade scenarios and stuff with zero intel. And that whole cottage industry built around like mock drafts and stuff is driving me fucking nuts. And I can't even like be a part of it anymore. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, I'm a fool because I'm a fan of my team and I was heavily invested in who they drafted. So uh, I thought for the first time in a really long time, the Giants just did exactly what they needed to do. You know, like it was like we didn't move. We targeted our guys. By the time they got to pick five, they realized two or three tackles that they were happy with would be available to them at seven. So went ahead and got, you know, this uh, potentially devastating edge rusher um, with maybe the highest ceiling, you know, uh, in this draft, potentially. Uh, So I thought that was a a home run. I thought grabbing one of the two big offensive tackles second was an absolute home run. Uh, And then, you know, I think the rest of the draft for the Giants is uh, to be determined. You know, they kind of took a couple swings. That's uh, second round receiver. Robinson is a little bit of a stretch. He's small, but you know, this is where, uh, with a new, you know, GM and a new, you know, system in place here for these other guys, you know, the second, third, fourth round picks, like you need a couple years to know if these are players who are going to turn out and help this team. And if they do, then this draft looks a lot better, uh, for the jets, Again, home run with a mod sauce gardener. Like I was hoping the Giants got a dude yeah. named Sauce. And I think if he dropped the five, the Giants were gonna get a dude named Sauce. <laughs> I mean, that guy didn't give up a touchdown his senior year of college. No. So, like, you can't fuck with that. And and the Jets have that historical presidents with with Revis and 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 loving like a shutdown corner. Um, they have a second year quarterback who showed promise. So grabbing Garrett Wilson at the 10 was again, smart. Like, I don't know exactly him, you know, matched up with the other wide receivers is, you know, Chris Olave or Jamison Williams going to be better or John Dotson. Like, I don't know. They might be, but I thought it was a good idea to get an impact weapon for your quarterback there. And then, uh, you know, moved up to get Jermaine Johnson, like 26. So the jets had a really strong impact first round and like, for the first time in years and years and years, I can't even think of a time when I can say the Giants and the Jets both had a solid draft. I'm not going to grade them like fucking Mel Kuyper, <laughs> but uh, yeah, solid. Looking forward to it. You know what I love about the difference between getting drafted between the Jets and the Giants? Being a guy named Sauce and having to live in like Whippany as compared to like getting the Giants and getting to live in like Hoboken as like a rookie. It's like it's like a huge difference. Yeah, it's true. He's going to be eating at like really over the top, like Italian restaurants in Bergen County and stuff. Reservation for Sauce. Reservation for Sauce. That's true. It's true. 
but uh yeah no i think it's 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 a uh, an optimistic uh draft for for uh for new york excuse me new jersey football new, new jersey football all right yeah. so you asked me about this on the text before why yeah. i kind of can't stand what the nfl draft has become yeah, lay into me here so, what's going on i liked it a lot growing up the saturday sunday you get your first three rounds on saturday next four four rounds um you got like maybe espn and you got the nfl network covering it and it's like real insight well now ever since they've moved it from radio city and now it is a traveling road show and they (laughs) and i the nfl draft great club act would pay this like $45 to go see this. Awesome, right? Well, now you've got them touring around the country like they're Coachella. <laughs> and the only problem is, and, and like setting up this massive festival in whatever city they go to. And the only problem is Roger Goodell, who is clearly doing this to make this a TV event so they can increase the money when they get for the rights deal. Because ESPN and ABC paying a lot less this time than they will the next time just by virtue of what they've done with it, right? And you get Roger Goodell out there, one round only. I'm sorry, dude, but there's no way that you can be on stage for a shorter time than a Springsteen concert if you want to <laughs> have this big NFL spectacle in whatever city you go to. So the whole thing's gross. The whole thing is, is a cash grab. And the front man can't even be bothered to be there the entire time. That's fair. I mean, it almost sounds like you're making Roger Goodell sound like the the head of the fire festival. That's right. He is like, (laughs) you can't deliver on his product. And you're right. That's a really good point. That's one thing he could change really easily. That would change the entire dynamic of it. I don't know why I've never thought of that. It's a great idea, Denny. It is. Get a fucking celebrity to host the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Get somebody mildly entertaining. Anyone. Yeah. It's so true. Any one of these these NFL analysts or just old personalities, it'd be so much more fun than this than this guy. Um, yeah, it's a great idea. I'd love to see the commissioner no longer handle it. That would be awesome. Kyle Brand would do it for free. He like he's he's yeah. already on, on your contract. He effing loves it, so just like do it. I it's don't... like they have enough. All you have to do to get people to do that shit is pay him money. So just pay somebody a bunch of money. If you have Jimmy yeah. Kimmel hosting it every year, great, hilarious. You know, Idris has already shown that he'd take any money from anything. I don't know if you saw the oh, World Cup draw. Wait, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Who? Tiffany Key Hat. and Peel. Oh, let's go. Yes. Come on. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. That That's is it. how you go from being a noon 30 10 DAC to headlining the main stage. Key and Peel NFL draft. Key and Peel NFL draft. It's done. Done. <laughs> All right, Benny, let's head to the hardwood, shall we? An area mm. where, we, where we actually know something about. A um, couple NBA coaching rumors before we get into the playoffs. A uh, bunch of things happening. Oh, wow, you just rolled your eyes at, at NBA coaching rumors. Um, it's, just, it's just because of who's rumored again. Well, Jesus. You're, you're not a fan of a couple pair of New York coaches and Mike D'Antoni Ugh. and Kenny Atkinson getting second chances in Charlotte? Or how about I offer you Mark Jackson getting out of the booth and going to Sacramento. Or maybe, if that doesn't tickle your fancy, how about a little Mike Brown leaving the Golden State bench to get back into the big seat? So do any of these interest you? Anything that you've heard thus far to kind of tickle your fancy a little bit? You know what? I At first, when you started talking about D'Antoni, I was like, ugh. 
But then I start to think about him, some of the pieces on Charlotte, maybe bring like it could be fun. It could. And if you're going to institute a, like an eight seconds or less fuck defense kind of mentality, it could be a good team to do it with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You have some interesting pieces there. And I'm like, eh, you know what? D'Antoni to Charlotte, I don't hate it. Mm. What I hate and what I don't understand, why is Mark Jackson around? Why is this still a thing? He 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 had a little bit of success when he was the coach for Golden State, right? Like a mild success. Yeah. He had he had one really strong year and and was basically like, you know, fired after that year because people kind of didn't like him and had a yeah. bad playoff run. That was 8 years ago. Like I don't understand like all this young talent and people around why you got to rehash like these just old kind of personality list people who have like been just ripping guys for eight years. So I don't like the Mark Jackson thing at all. I think it's stale. And I think like a Mark Jackson to the Kings or something is just a catastrophe, like waiting to happen. Like, I don't even understand how it works. Um, what are the other good ones out there? Well, Mark Jackson to the Kings is a perfect match match of like just like a total clusterfuck. You get a guy who has been propped up by the fact of being on television and being so good at that job. Mark Jackson, objectively good at the TV thing. And we've seen this over the course of the past decade. If you're on TV and you sound smart, there's a better chance that you're going to get the job. Combine that with the Golden State stuff, and I can see how, because we, we, we've talked about this before, like the owner in Sacramento, his son runs the team. I mean, like we just saw a couple hours ago, like Joe Dumars was like, Sacramento, I've had enough of your foolishness. I'm going back to the league office. So yeah. the way that Sacramento runs, it, it, it'd be the perfect spectacle. You and know who who's great for Sacramento? Who's great for Sacramento? Let's get Kenny Atkinson over to Sacramento. See, no, 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 no. Because Kenny Atkinson is at the tipping point of his career where it's like he's either going to be like the guy before the guy, or he's just gonna be like the washed up coach name. And I fear, I fear like because if you go back a couple of years for the what we were viewing, what Kenny Atkinson's career was gonna be like during those Nets years, you're yeah. like, this guy's gonna win at least one championship as a head coach. And now you're like, <laughs> he's Steve Clifford. I hate it. I, I, I don't know if I ever thought Kenny Atkinson was going to win an NBA title. Uh, I'm not sure oh. if I ever really believed that. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mike Brown, that's a good one. He'll probably get a job. But yeah, honestly, it's like it's a very unexciting carousel to me this year. I like the idea of D'Antoni getting one last shot because, I mean, I feel like it very much... I told much, you, that's the one I like. Yeah. That's the one I like. So right him, Charlotte, would be awesome. Um yeah. What I don't want to see is a bunch of these like hot up and coming assistants getting any no. of these jobs. Because, no, I think yeah. the Pacers of a year ago were the yeah. cautionary tale for that. Yeah, no, no one's no one's hitting the Nick Nurse tree anytime soon. That's right. I I would be curious though to see if Mike Brown kind of has a like Mike Budenholzer esque second act where he gets in the right situation and potentially I could see it. gets the right stars to win a championship. Yeah. Mike, Mike Brown is, and you know, from all accounts, he's a very player friendly coach yeah. that people like. And, you know, I think he gets a job, maybe a job because of that. Him, 
re-upping with LeBron after all of these experiences that both of them had could be pretty yeah. fun. Could be interesting. All right. Well, from uh, we, we've talked about a lot of dysfunction today. Uh, let's move to Utah. Keep this party going, <laughs> shall we? Um, sure. The Utah Jazz seem on the verge of a breakup. Head coach Quinn Snyder, also linked to the previously mentioned Lakers job, Rudy Gobert apparently went up to Danny Ainge and was like, it's either Donovan Mitchell or it's me here. You got to pick one. So, but they were eating together. <laughs> Benny, what is the best case scenario for a Utah breakup? And what's the worst case scenario? I mean, I think regardless, you're going to see a minimum of one and probably two of those three names mentioned moved. Mm. Uh I think some depend on the others, you know, it's like if you retain Donovan Mitchell and you get something of real value back for Gobert that doesn't leave you in too big of a hole, then maybe you retain Quinn Snyder. Maybe Quinn Snyder wants to stay. Mm. Um, maybe there's something interesting there. I think what happened here for Utah is like Gobert to me is like a little underrated at this point. I think, you know, the idea that he has a negative impact on a game uh, is kind of wild to me, especially the things he's done over the last few years. And I could make the argument and I've said it before on this podcast. I like Donovan Mitchell, but I don't like Donovan Mitchell as the best player on a championship team. Um, so because of all of what I just said, they can't stay together, but I'm having a hard time deciphering who is the most valuable piece to keep. Because if you just rebuild around Donovan Mitchell right now with not a lot of other ancillary parts, uh, I don't think that team's very good. You know, like Mike Conley is, I don't know, washed. Is he washed? Potentially. Potentially washed. Can I safely say washed, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, Bogdanovich, nice player is who he is. You don't see a lot of like exciting youth or anything, you know, Clarkson's hit his ceiling. Like, so I, I think uh, a major teardown might be required. And if that's required, you might have to build it around Rudy instead of Donovan Mitchell. And then I kind of wonder, right? Like landing spots for these guys. I've been racking my brain. Like I know people want to say like the Knicks for like the obvious thing for Donovan Mitchell. I'm I'm like struggling to find locations because Donovan Mitchell will, will not be traded to a team that isn't in contention. Like like he just wants to take that next step to kind of prove the only kind of team I can think of that has some pieces to play with uh would be New Orleans. You know, like maybe I, I don't know like like, sure, like sure. a CJ going to Utah, but then it's like, but then CJ turns into journeyman guy and he's so much better than that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, and at this point, how much, how much of a tier above do you consider Donovan Mitchell over CJ McCollum? I mean, he is, right. but like how much? Not like, a, like a fraction. Yeah. Uh, like not too much at this point. So I don't know how much that even moves the needle, you know, you know, a surprise move that I, I could see if, if they want to go the move and go bear option. Um, Aiton and picks for Gobert. Ugh, no, no way. Why would you do that? Be the whole reason that Phoenix like rolled into this Dallas series and they got all fucked up is because 
you had to completely change the defense of how you covered Rudy Gobert to how you cover Aiden. Well, Aiden's got this little mid-range game. He's got a little like pick and pop. Like you have to cover him in those spots and it opens up all this room. You put Gobert on that team. You got the same kind of like middle ground lurch problem where no one has to defend your center. It would fuck up the Monty Williams offense, I would say. I, I, I was kind of looking at it from more of like the front office perspective because they don't have the extension for yeah. Aiton yet. Yeah. So it's like he could walk I think he's for getting, nothing. I think this playoffs, he's like cementing his extension. I think, you know, if this like playoffs, he's bombed. But yeah. it looks like Phoenix is getting to the conference finals. It looks pretty handy. And uh, I don't see how you go into next year with the potential of keeping yeah, Paul Booker, Aiton, Bridges together. Yeah. You do that at all costs right now because that is a group that can win you a title year in and year out, you know? I mean, the, the listen, the Suns have blown up things before, so nothing nothing would surprise what me with that ownership. Me. It is the, it's the Peacock team, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, all right. Let's actually get to the hardwood now. Benny, with a great second round happening. I don't think it's too much out of the surprise realm for everybody. I mean, I think we all kind of expected um, without Embiid, um, the Sixers to have a tough time against the Miami Heat. I think we kind of expected this celtics Bucks series to be a, a battle. Let's see what else uh, we got going on. Oh, yeah, we got uh, this phenomenal Memphis uh, Warriors series where you called it directly that Draymond was going to do something in game one, get ejected. Now, now you've got to watch him on the flagrant the rest of, of the series. And, oh, yeah, like this, the aforementioned Suns uh, in cruise control over Dallas. So from uh, the second round, what has intrigued you the most? Well, I think what you just mentioned is now becoming one of the biggest storylines. The fact that Draymond in game one, uh, now, you know, just you almost have to assume it's not like Draymond's going to tone it down. So you almost have to assume at this point he's going to lose a game in this playoffs. It's just like when, <laughs> when is it going to happen? And it's, and it's going to be a factor. You see what happens to the Warriors every time they don't have him or he's not effective. But Dylan Brooks was just announced suspended for game three. Mm -hmm. So he literally got suspended for two games for this foul on Gary Payton. And I think the NBA is proving like they did with the Alex Caruso thing that if someone actually gets hurt, we're going to suspend you. Yeah. You know, Um, and that's big for game three, but it also sets like a very strange tone to this series. Like if you asked me before what was going to be the physical chippy series going into this, I was not going to guess the Warriors Grizzlies. I thought this was going to be the shoot around, you know, nut job series. Hmm. And it was John Moran who I was afraid of at first, but I think that's a really interesting thing. And without Dylan Brooks in game three, going back to golden state, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, but even though that golden state home advantage isn't, uh, as serious as the Memphis one at this point. Um, I think Memphis, the way they looked last round could be more of an indication of the Timberwolves being ready to be an actual playoff team than the Grizzlies having a rough series and them not being ready. I think that game one uh, kind of shifted people's mindset in the wrong way, and we still got a long series ahead of us. Uh, the biggest thing to come out of it was the shocking demolition of your bucks by the Marcus smart lists Celtics. Um, I did not 
expect a uh, manhandling like that. And now Marcus Smart is saying that there is a strong likelihood he'll play game three. Um, and that answers a lot of questions for them. So that series just got a lot juicier. I mean, I still think it's anyone's. I'm still leaning with Giannis, but the one thing Boston keeps doing that they did in the Brooklyn series and again in this game too is going, oh, I guess they could win it all. You know, it, it, it puts it within the reason, within the realm of possibility, you yeah. know? Um, and then tonight we have our, uh, what are our games tonight? Oh, Philly, Miami. I mean, this mm-hmm. one is just incredibly over without Embiid, right? Like yeah. there's no chance uh, with with the way Harden's playing, I think. And this is really shaping up to, to turn into a very interesting offseason, I think. Harden just opts in for next year, but but things are going to get real hairy and interesting there. And then I still imagine Luca's just going to pull out a miracle hmm. with one of these, take a game yeah. or two. But th- this is hard to see Phoenix uh, letting this series go. Yeah, man. To me, the most interesting series right now is this Philly Miami series. Not because you, you you know that I tend to think in the macro, right? You're going more for the narrative than I'm, the actual series, right? Right. Man. I'm going more because. What was the big thing that we've been talking about for it feels like forever? Uh, I can't quite remember a season arc quite like the KD, Kyrie, and Harden one. When we started this season, we were like big three, maybe one of the best groups to ever play together. And now as we kind of walk away from this, we're like, the Nets need to take control of the franchise back from Kyrie Irving. Is James Harden a max player? And may, gee, maybe KD isn't the best player in the world. Just say, which the last one of those is the most insulting thing, that KD isn't the best player in the world. And I will stand by that. But so all of those things together, right, if, if you keep the, the absolute questioning of whether James Harden is a max player, especially during this series against a Miami team, that's like, they're good. But like, are they like NBA champion good? I don't think so. No, probably not. Probably not. And I do think this team with Embiid would be beating the Heat right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think James Harden's run into this scenario a couple times this year, and I think he's probably thrown his hands up a bit, which is like, you know, it's really hard to put up like 35, 10, and 15 when you're like the only one and you're a little slower than you used to be. Yeah. You know, like he needs an effective Kevin Durant to work. He needs an effective Joel Embiid to work. And that's not like any skin off his nose, you know, like um, in a strange way, I think the hard pressure is almost like a little interesting at this point, but it's starting to become apparent. I think, you know, Sean Marks and maybe some other people, even inside Kyrie KD, I don't know who was talking, but I do think that the reason, you know, they sold Harden for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar and got back, what we got back <laughs> and the drama we got back is because of this deteriorating on court return you're seeing. And the thing that I think about with Harden all, all the time now, think of every time it's gotten hard for him in a situation, he's kind of copped out. And we get on KD for this so much. But if, if you look at Oklahoma uh, City, he's like, oh, there's not enough room for me here. I want my own, own team. When it got kind of dicey in Houston, he was like, I'm, I'm out. Every time it gets hard for him, he's out. So it's going to be interesting to see this offseason. I mean, he's going to take the player option, right? He's got it. I mean, at this point, and it's $44 million. It. Who turns that down? But yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like something, if he tried to get a multi-year deal right now and was playing hardball for it, like how can they write him a check yeah. 
for 40 plus million dollars moving anywhere near into the future at this point. Yeah. Like it's hard to see, man, even though, you know, more is almost just as invar- invested yeah. in Harden as, as in the return, you know? All right. Real quick, before we get out of here, uh, what are you looking for in the next week to come as we wrap up round two and head to the conference finals? I mean, like I said, the one thing that it's just set up so perfectly to happen would be Philly sneaking this game away tonight, making it 2-1 and maybe even 3-1, and then the masked crusader returns. Mm. Like, there is the potential for a Joel Embiid masked crusader hero scenario coming. Uh, I think Bam Adebayo takes that sentiment very personally. Uh, and I think he's a better player and he's given credit for it. So, so Miami probably still pulls it off, but I think the most hijinks that we should get ready to see are in this Boston Bucks series in this, uh, uh, Grizzlies warrior series. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm real cagey about this buck series because honestly, like, Without Middleton, I don't, like you've got to get lucky. Uh, luckily, as this series transitions back to Milwaukee, uh, you're probably going to get more out of your Grayson Allen, your Bobby Portis is because you are playing at home. That's what tends to happen in the playoffs. So I do have a little bit of confidence there. Uh, they can get these two at home. Go back to Boston three one. Um, this series is going seven games because I think then Boston is on a roll, um, and I don't think the Bucks will be able to steal one more on the road. However, what I am looking forward to most this week uh, is how Steve Kerr is going to be like, hey, Draymond, just get these two texts so we can get this out of the way before we play the Suns. At some point, like him and Dylan Brooks are going to come to blows. It's going to be awesome. Um, and, and you know when it's going to be? It's going to be in the closeout game. If this goes to seven, he gets uh, his, his uh, technical in that game, suspended for game one versus the Sun, so then he has the rest of the series. It kind of limits the impact of that. Yeah. You know who's becoming my new favorite heel Who? in the NBA? Someone I really enjoy rooting against? This Grant Williams. Oh. <laughs> he's gay. Well, he's, he's, he's a little like... Uh, he didn't have enough of a good season yeah. to be carrying himself the way he's carrying himself <laughs> in these playoffs. I'm sorry, Grant Williams. You're angering the wrong people. He's playing in Boston. He's dealing with a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. He hasn't had a he hasn't had a good meal besides chowder in 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 a year. <laughs> the Omni Hotel can only serve you up so much. All right, yeah. plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms, we're at the tune up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz one, number one in your mind, number one in your heart. Number one on Twitter, I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? That's a great exit, Denny. That might have been <laughs> your best yet. Just uh, watch out for the solar flare. Buy an umbrella. And uh, practice kindness this week, especially. The show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to The Tune-Up. <laughs>